Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and if this is your first time with us, this is a show where I interview people about the slices of pop culture that they're most passionate about. We're jumping right into our episode today. I hope you enjoy it. Previously on Fifth Draw Wild. Ah, summer break. So do you want cheese on that, hun? Sure, guy. A time for leisure, recreation, and taking her easy. Unless you're me. Dipper. The girl about to puke is my sister Mabel. You may be wondering what we're doing in a golf cart, fleeing from a creature of unimaginable horror. Ah! Look out! Ah! Rest assured, there's a perfectly logical explanation. And welcome back to our uh, the second part of our Gravity Falls Supersode. Uh, joined once again by Jake and Scott, the brothers Mason. Hello. Hello. We already introduced you guys the last time, so Jake, um, man, what are we talking about today? Uh, today we're talking about the characters of Gravity Falls, the backbone oh. uh, that makes the show work oh, as man. well as it does. I am so excited for this. Um, let's start at the tip and work our way to the top. So, uh, first person, right off the bat, the first voice we hear in Gravity Falls is Dipper Pines. Dipper, Pine, Dipper Pines. They do a remix of his voice in episode 14. That's fantastic. <laughs> <It> says that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dipper is, uh, is, is one of the two main characters. Um, well, I guess, I guess I, Grunkle Stan is also a main character. So one of like the, the three main, mainest of the main characters. Um, and uh, he, him and his twin sister, Mabel, go to Gravity Falls, Oregon, spend the summer there with his uncle, and he finds a journal. And he, I mean, what do you, you want to know? What do you want to know about uh, my boy Dip? I mean, look, Dipper is, for all intents and purposes, the point of view character of this whole show, right? Right. Yes. So, uh, what's his deal? Let's talk about who Dipper is as a person. Uh, well, he's very sweaty. Because the answer to that <laughs> is a uh, awkward, skittish preteen who's probably smelly based on context clues. Yes. Uh, he doesn't like to wash his clothes or take baths, so he's probably a little ripe. I, I mean, I feel like that kind of encapsulates the 11-year-old experience, or the 12-year-old experience, though. Yeah, that encapsulates mine. Uh, so, what, what, is this, what does this kid do? Like, like, he finds the journal, and he just dives into these mysteries. He runs with it, yeah. So, uh, Dipper, he finds the journal, and he reads through it whenever he has to. Uh, and he is really the one who is so focused on discovering all of the secrets of the journal and gravity I mean, falls at large by yeah. extension of, by way of the journal. But, right. Yeah. And, and I think even more than that, like, like, yeah, he takes this and he runs with it and he solves mysteries to the point that near the end of the summer, like he is considered by the town to be like a competent monster hunter kind of like, yeah. Like, like at one point, uh, he is hired to solve a, a ghost problem um, based off of a crazy. newspaper article of him, like super tasering a giant vampire bat. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. He, he is, he dives headfirst into the mystery because he, he is the point of view character. So like we get the most of him. Um, Cause there's a, there's points where his sister Mabel's like, I don't tell you everything. 
Um, like she had, she, like so she's been having some like adventures uh, without him. Um, but he, for the most part, he's he's very focused on finding out everything that's going on in Gravity Falls because it's it's so mysterious and new and cool to him that he just like wants to get in on that. Yeah, like this world that he stumbles upon is so weird that he just he just has like this compulsive need to dig into it and find out the truth of it all. And from things that are said, like this isn't an unusual character trait for him. Like Mabel just straight up in the first episode calls him out and says like, I'm not going to let another one of your paranoid delusions like keep me from having a fun time with my boyfriend who might be a zombie, but oh wait, no gnomes. But it's actually but it's gnomes. also gnomes. <laughs> it's three gnomes in a trench coat. All in a hoodie and jeans. Yeah, that's true. He was and hands that were weirdly articulate for being just on sticks. Just being gnomes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, and he like that's kind of his whole deal is he's just like wants to solve all these mysteries and like he because like if if I was in Dipper's shoes, I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, you know? Yeah, like if I found a mysterious journal, I'd be like, yeah, let me get in on this and find everything out I can about everything that's going on in this weird town. Yeah. And, and there's there's a there's a few other things that kind of like tie into who Dipper is. Like it turns out once he's kind of comfortable with this town, he's a pretty snarky, sarta- sarcastic little kid. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's not like shy or anything. He's he's just like awkward. I don't know. He. Yeah, he's he's awkward. He's a, he's a preteen boy, and so he's just like just very yeah. sweaty and very nervous and very paranoid about everything all the time. But he also like envelops the entire idea of youthful exuberance and this just wild imagination that isn't necessarily an imagination, but he's gonna chase it anyway. Yeah, uh, I mean, look the 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 other thing about Dipper that's that's I think kind of key to who he is, especially in the first season. Um, is someone we're going to cover a minute later, but we kind of need to talk about here, um, is, uh, Wendy Corduroy. And I mean, the, shouldn't we go to Mabel? Shouldn't we go to Mabel? Next? We are, we are, but, but okay, okay, yeah, Dipper's yeah, yeah, focus on her is kind of important to who Dipper is. Yeah. The, the right. entirety of the first season is about how Dipper has a crush on Wendy. Uh, pretty much. Um, also I do want to point out Dipper is not his real name. Bulper? We'll, we'll ba, reveal ba, his ba. real name in the fourth episode of this boys of the summer super series yep uh yeah that's that's uh that's a journal episode topic um so like dipper this is this is another way that you kind of realize that dipper's whole character of i'm gonna dig into this mystery just by diving head first regardless of the fact that it might be a black hole that swallows my life forever is the fact that he lays eyes on wendy corduroy and is preteen smitten in love with her forever and always oh boy and i cannot blame him for even nah. a second, Wendy is like the literal coolest. Like that's like her trait is that she's the coolest person. So like I can totally understand being a twelve year old and being like, "Wow, that fifteen year old is perfect, and I love her." Uh, and that's what all I'm gonna think about forever. <laughs> and he really does right up until like the first episode of season two. So the second episode, yeah, of season two is where they kind of sort it all out, and then it like it. It kind of lingers, still, but he, he, he makes his peace with it. I mean, I don't want I don't want that to be like a super defining uh trait. What are some like cool things that did or, or just things that Dipper does? Well, he captured the Grem Loblin by himself as a twelve year old boy. Yeah. 
this huge monster from the woods that, when you look into its eyes, gives you your you look into your worst nightmare. Yeah, you see and your Dipper, greatest fear. And Dipper was like, "Yeah, I caught it. Look at this thing." Yeah, it's that's that's Dipper plus a journal, plus even a modicum of emotional or physical support from any family member of his will literally save solve any problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Dipper's awesome. Dipper Dipper's one of my fave characters uh, of all time. Uh we're we're going to we're going to jump over I think to Mabel next. Uh because after we talk about the two of them, we're going to talk about uh Twin Power a little bit because that's important. Um It is. So Mabel Pines. Who Mabel? Mabel is Dipper's twin sister. Uh she's wicked aloof and just wants to have fun. And doesn't really understand that not everybody else wants to have fun. But she's going to make him have fun anyway. I think she understands. She just doesn't care. Like, like she, she's just so, she's so Mabel. You know? Like, she is, like, terminally Mabel. And nothing's going to get in the way of that. And, like, no one's going to stop her from being her. And that is, like, her most impressive quality. Right. She has become this, like, totem of uniqueness, just kind of being her. Like, her sweaters are hand-knit, and she has a new one, like, every single day. And every day. Yeah. She's she's also just, like, not what you expect when you look at a Disney cartoon show and you see a girl main character. You don't expect Mabel. Not yeah, at all. They, they, they allowed her to be weird. Which is very, very good. Because a lot of times, like, the, here's two main characters. One's a boy, one's a girl. Well, the girl is exactly like this and always are going to be like this. And the boy can have, like, cool personality traits and whatever because, you know, we people focus on that stuff, I guess. And, and and they usually just, like, the girl is a girl. Like, that's her trait is that she's a girl. But with Mabel, it's like she is the opposite of Dipper in that she is very outgoing and she's very like friendly and fun and likes to make friends. Like Dipper doesn't make a ton of friends like in gravity falls over the summer. And when he does, does. it's under extreme duress. Like it's always like, Oh, we just like banished ghosts. So I guess we're friends now. Yeah. And even like when he meets Wendy, he, he's not necessarily friends with Wendy at first. It's just like, she works at his grunkle's, mystery shack and so he's near her so they know each other whereas like mabel actively makes friends in the seventh episode like she's like these are my people these are my friends and and she will like go out of her way to like support and help them like they are like they are being made fun of and she is like all right i'm gonna enter this dance contest and become the king of parties and i'm gonna like just for these two people that i like now just because they're different and weird, and so is she. Yeah. Like, there's an episode where she just goes, sees a... She's also very boy crazy, because she's a preteen. And yes. Yeah. yeah. Her, her her stated goal in the first episode is, I want to have a summer romance, which... An epic summer romance. L- let me, let's be real honest right now. Every time that plot comes up, it is going to deal terrible damage to Dipper. Um, every time. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> or or just horribly embarrass him in some way. Um, Mabel usually comes off scot free, 
we think. Um, but in this, there's an episode where she meets a cute boy, she thinks, who just happens to be unhealthily obsessed with puppet shows. And oh, oh boy, that's the oh next God. episode I'm watching in my rewatch. I can't wait. In like the space of an afternoon, she cajoles her friends, Wendy, Dipper somehow, uh, Grunkle Stan, Seuss. She cajoles all of them into helping her make a puppet rock ballad that like fills a massive theater and has like moving sets and a rock, a rock songs playing behind it. Yeah, like she, because she is into this boy who likes puppets, like hand, you know, sock puppet, hand puppets. Um, she goes full, like total Bigfoot, and just like the like makes this huge production in an afternoon, like in like a day, and it's bonkers. I Mabel is nothing if not committed. Yeah, and we've we've talked about that uh, those three gnomes that turned out to be as. That turned out to be a zombie, uh, and that was Mabel's first crush, was this dude who was three gnomes. Yeah, and it's like, like, that first episode goes such a far, just does so many things to establish Mabel, like, crazy sweater, uh, sweaters that change throughout that episode, uh, her boy craziness, the ability to just, like, roll with the punches when presented with something weird. Yeah, uh, a lot of times, like, something will happen and she'll, like, immediately have a verbal solution maybe not necessarily an actual one like in uh in an episode she drops a jar and dipper's like you dropped it and she's like we'll get a new one like immediately like like not even a problem we just smash it it's totally fine yeah and and even then it's like they also set up that she is not going to be the kind of person you're expecting they they get this chance after they've battled these gnomes in the first episode they wander into the mystery shack and Grunkle Stan just like sees him looking just destroyed. And we'll talk about him in a minute, but he just goes, uh, so I overstock you. You can take one thing off the shelves and Dipper grabs a hat. That's super important. Uh, that we'll talk about in episode three. And that's where we're lumping all the Zodiac stuff. And okay. Cause it's just, it'll fit there. Um, and Mabel goes wandering around and you see some like dolls and books and things. And she reaches into a box and she pulls out one of the best things. Grappling hook. Oh my gosh. Because uh, apparently snarky, sarcastic girls in Disney shows have now become a thing with grappling hooks. Uh, because that's definitely being used in the DuckTales reboot, and I couldn't uh, yep, be yep. We- Webley has a grappling hook. It's a great new genre of animation. Everyone needs to jump in on this uh, preteen girls with grappling hooks. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the hottest thing. It's going to be so good. I can't wait for the new DuckTales show. I'm very excited. Uh, this was your preview of Jake Mason's forthcoming DuckCast. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see if I have time. I might be able to rope Andy Creighton into doing it, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm sure you can. It's going to be a great show. Everyone go watch it and support great shows. Um, yeah, also, um, hey, Disney, I know you're listening. Uh, when are you going to announce that I'm doing the official DuckTales podcast? Come on. Talking Duck. Um, Come on. <laughs> yeah, let me do Talking Duck. Chris Hardwick's out. I'm in. <laughs> it's a brave new world. Um, okay, so Mabel is the other side of the twin relationship. Um, and it's even kind of switched in their gender roles from where you would normally think they'd be. Like, Dipper is the brainy one, more so, and Mabel is the one who, when it 
confronted with a problem is most likely to punch it in the face. Yeah, there's an episode about her punching uh, a problem in the face. It's pretty great. Um, but um, they are like the 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 heart and brain divide is definitely like Dipper will overthink something, uh, Mabel will overfeel something, and and that's how they you know go about their business. But right. that's also how they balance each other. Yeah, they yeah. are they are perfect foils, not foils, but like they are perfect complements to each other. And there is an episode where Mabel. She thinks that she's never gonna be as smart as Dipper, and she tries to she tries to be normal, but in the end, her uniqueness is what solves the entire mystery of that episode. Yeah, her being silly is is how they fixed the problem in, in that episode, and then and it's like you know, there's no one way to be. Like, don't worry about it, because like you're good. If you're you, you're good. Yeah, that's that's one yeah. of the big lessons that you get from this this whole show is. Be you. You is great. Be yeah, the yeah. best you you can be. Um, so let's let's talk real fast because it's a really good segue point. Let's talk about twins. 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 Twins are a big deal. Yeah. One of the one of the core tenets of the show is that um, the Dipper and Mabel love each other and th- they never are hurtful. Like they can be, they can be like mean, but in the way that like siblings can be mean. Scoot, you're my little brother. You know how yep. I can be very mean, but in you a know that I way. can be a little turd. <laughs> yeah, like but like in in like loving ways, because like we're still brothers. We still, right? Yeah, you, you know, don't you don't mispronounce all of the stuff that I like just because you hate me. It's because you just like seeing me get no, going. No, because it's so funny and so easy to get you going. So the the big thing about twins that we learn. That we get hinted at early on, but get like canonically outright stated almost later on down the line is that as long as the twins are together, they will win. Yeah, it, I think it is literally stated at one point that like, like when when Dipper and Mabel are on the same page, when they are like together with each other, then nothing is unaccomplishable. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. This is kind of a spoiler, what I'm about to say, but I'm not going to give any specifics about it, and I'm not going to tell you when it happens or why it happens or where it happens, so tuck it up. Uh, but the one time that, like, the twin divide really, that the twins really fracture apart in this show, the entire freaking world almost ends. Yeah, it, like, it literally almost destroys the planet because they, like, both believe something about oppositely. the other. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that like that they can't like reconcile and they don't get a chance to talk about. Um, but like, and like that just illustrates the point that like twins is magic. Like, they, like put it when they are together, nothing will get in their way. And if they're apart, we'll go boom. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's literally an episode where Dipper jumps into a giant robot to fight someone to save his sister. Yeah, like and this like twelve-year-old boy makes a thirty-foot leap to save his sister from a giant robot. And this is this is after like he like his journal is taken away, and like at, at this point, this is like towards the end of season one. That's the end of season one, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, uh, like his it, the journal is like his identity. Like like that is what makes Dipper Dipper is that he has the journal, and that's how he is able to do all the things that he has done. Is that like he has the journal to help him? Um, but then he has it taken away, and like. Mabel is in danger 
and the yeah. the bad guy says like you're nothing without that journal and he's like no i still am because i still have her like like we're like that's i don't need the journal i need my sister yeah it's it's a great moment and it, it really is like that is in in more ways than we can describe without ruining things yeah like we could just like straight up talk about the like dipper trust me moment like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like, that one i feel like that would blow the the roof off the place but one i also don't want to cry right now so um yeah, yeah. it's a good it's a good episode you guys <laughs> it's a real good show you should probably check it out uh that's another super defining factor of the pines twins is that they're siblings like they are these individuals but they are always think about their sibling yeah like like the most important person to dipper is mabel and the most important person to mabel is dipper and that is that is like literally one of the three pillars of the show yeah uh one of those is also uh everything is not what it seems um not, yeah, nothing is what it seems the other one is for god's sakes tell a joke if you got room you got you got room for a joke uh weirdly enough uh not what it seems is the perfect segue to uh the next person we're gonna talk about grunkle stan oh grunkle stan oh stan oh stanford pines stanford stanford Um, what 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 do you say about he so he runs the mystery shack he He is a con man he's a crotchety old shyster yeah and he is a uh like he he loves taking money from people. He loves when people give him their money for no reason. He has like in in the Mister Shack, there is literally out out front. There's a little one of those like uh, put a penny in and it like flattens it out and it gives back machines. Um, and it literally just like drops into a, a bucket and says thanks for the penny, sucker. And like that's it. That's the whole thing. That's that's that what that machine does is it takes your penny. And that is that is the introduction to Stan. Like that's what we're given for uh, an easy seventy five percent of this show. Well, I mean, in the very in the first episode of season two, uh, he kind of reveals some stuff, but then it is until about halfway through season two that you're like, oh, oh, that's what's going on with Stan. Okay, all right, now now I know where we are. Yeah, like like a good way to describe Stan. If you're not just going to go watch the show, because go watch the freaking show. Just watch his show. Just watch it. Um, in the first episode, you meet Stan, and he is this crotchety old shyster that we just described who wants nothing more than to take your money uh, willingly or not. Um, yes. And then, at the very end, after Dipper gets his really important hat, and Mabel gets her surprise grappling hook, and the twins go to bed reunited and happy that they fought gnomes for no reason, Stan does something weird. Stan punches numbers into a vending machine and goes into a secret room and that's not touched upon for another season? Yeah. You don't see it again until the start of season one. Like, two. you just, you don't even, or still it's the start of season two. You don't even, you, like, there is one point about halfway through where they're, it's called, the episode's called um, Bottomless Pit and they are falling down a bottomless pit so they tell little stories about, like, just to pass the time. Um, and the one Mabel tells is, called uh truthache and it's about these like gold teeth that when you put them in you compulsively tell the truth and at one point stan says something about like a hidden room under the shack and they're like boring shut up and and like it's just this like hey remember that thing that everyone's been talking about like all the fans like want to know about like we're just gonna walk past it um 
but and then that's literally it. Those are the two things you get from the first season of like, or no, I guess at the end of the first season he goes downstairs and is like, it, and then we see what's under there and there's like this, there's some stuff going on. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. yeah. And and he's and you you finally get to see it, but it's it takes twenty episodes, which again, if you remember from last episode, took about a year and a half, yeah, um, to get to. And look, look, guys, we are not going to be able to talk much about Stan because there's so much to Stan. Because Stan is not what he seems. It's he, literally he the, the main point of an episode because it's the freaking title of an episode. That's, a, that's the title of an episode called Not What He Seems. Uh, at, in the beginning of every episode, um, there is a uh, backmasked whisper um, right at the end of the theme song um, that literally says, Stan is not what he seems. So they've Pretty been good. yelling it at you for 20 yeah. episodes. Yeah, uh, and, and you still don't know what that is until the end of the episode, not what he seems. You don't know what's going on with him. Um, here's some things we do know. He went to jail in Columbia. Um, he has a lot of warrants out for his arrest. He At one point, he is, has like an emergency bag hidden behind a picture that is full of ill-gotten cash just, and passports. Just full of cash and, and passports. Like, uh, for... for kind of no reason like he just like has it there for easy access in case he has to scram uh his, his the uh license plate in his car reads stanley yeah it's a stanley mobile his name is stanford what's up with that they're not gonna tell you watch watch the show you gonna find out <laughs> uh so we're listen guys stan as presented is the crotchety old uncle grandpa figure who also turns out to give really good advice to people. Like he loves yeah. these bratty kids, even though he doesn't act like it. Yeah. And, and he always um, like, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know it or doesn't believe them, uh, you know, about all the crazy stuff that they say. Uh, but he always like, at the end of the day, their safety is what he's about. Yeah, like, like, yeah, he he is still like very invested in in their safety, and not just because like, oh, they're my they're my grand nephews, you know, or grand grand niece and grand nephew. It's like genuine love for these kids, even though he is like a right. grumpy old man who like just wants everyone's money. Oh, there's there's an ep- there's an episode that I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but somehow um, Dipper encounters a memory. Uh, for, about Stan from earlier that summer where Stan made him go chop wood and Seuss asked him about it and Dipper just hears part of this memory where it's just like Stan is just saying like, ah, he's just a worthless kid. He's never going to amount to anything. And Dipper gets all sad and then sees the full memory later and it's Stan going like, yeah, he just acts like this worthless kid and he just, no one loves him. And that's how my dad saw me and I don't want him to be that. Yeah, and then and but that's what they said about me, and it, uh, uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to toughen him up, so because the you know world's a tough place, I want him to be, I want him to be able to handle it. And it's just, oh my gosh, guys, oh, Stan, uh, go watch this freaking show. Go watch the show. <laughs> that scene goes back to what I said last episode, where it will make you feel things it shouldn't. Yeah, the 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 show uh, has a uh, a very unique. Um, way of making you just cry for like a solid 10 minutes just like just the last because <laughs> like, hey. it's sad but because god dang it's so good yeah like like they are like 
the love that they all share and like when when they like the 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 friendship and familial love that they all have for each other it's just like so heartwarming that you start leaking like that you just can't contain it anymore and your eyes are just like all right everybody out yeah it's uh, listen, the the last the last few minutes of this show uh, literally bring me to tears every time. And Alex Hirsch yep, is a same. monster for making me feel feelings. Um, yep, same, same. I'm I'm a soft touch. Like you can ask anybody. Like I'm I'm a marshmallow. But like this show is is very good at it. Is very good at at getting you to a place. So yeah. let's um let's lightning round through uh, four other fairly major people. Oh. Uh, Seuss, Wendy, uh, Grinda, and oh no, the other friend I'm forgetting. I'm going to be back. Candy. Candy. Uh, we're going to we, light. We also should probably talk about Gideon a little bit, but I, yeah. I think the rest of these people are going to go a lot quicker than. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's lightning else. round through those four, and then we'll hit Gideon, and then we can mention some of the townsfolk who are just awesome. Um, okay. Um, well, if we're talking about Wendy, I'm going to take a point because she's my favorite. Go for it. Dive in. Um, Wendy I love, Corduroy. I love Wendy Corduroy. Love her so much. She's 15. She is perpetually cool. She works the counter at the Mystery Shack. Um, she's got a bunch of teen friends, and they like to go break into abandoned um, gas stations, uh, like convenience stores, and uh, and like just like do fun teen stuff. And Dipper is in love with her, and Mabel looks up to her, and like at a lot of different points, like will ask her specifically for advice because like she's the only older. Excuse me older girl there that like Mabel can go to for that kind of stuff. And, and Wendy d- doesn't always give the best advice cause she is a teen, but she always like treats them like equals more or less. Her advice about what high school really is like is some of the truest things ever oh, said yeah. on television. It, it cuts to the quick. <laughs> it, yep. it is. Um, and then like uh, there's, there's a point where I think it's in, it might actually be in the fourth episode because Mabel's trying to get some advice on 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 a boy, and I think it's yeah, it's Gideon because because she wants to like break up, uh, even though they're not dating. Um, and she's like, yeah, I've broken up with tons of guys, and then she just goes on listing all these guys that she's like broken up with, and then Mabel like comes around to be like, I need, oh yeah, I just need to go tell him. Okay, yeah, thanks, Wendy. And then Wendy's like, I don't ever think I broke up with that guy. Like, oh, that's probably why he keeps texting me. And so <laughs> it's like, that's Wendy. Like that's where Wendy is in life. It's listen, if you if you ever need to just have a reference point for the coolest person alive, oh, Wendy Corduroy. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. Kind of full stop. And I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I was uh, 12, I would be 9000 percent in love with Wendy. If I like if 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 I was a difference, yeah, she absolutely she's literally like we can't really talk about the Zodiac stuff, but like she's very cool. And that's like her whole deal. Yeah, to the point that it's literally prophetic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if there's nothing else about Wendy, it's... When I think of Wendy, I think of her defining line in the end of this... in the Near the end of the series, I'm a flippin' corduroy. And yeah. then she bucks up and she does the thing, and it's the <laughs> coolest part. Um, I... Uh, she's she's one of, like, the, the central figures of my, my favorite episode, Into the Bunker. Um, it's It's... The it's the twins and her and Seuss and they go into this bunker and um as the name might suggest and uh and it's mostly about like her and Dipper and like Dipper is in love with her and is like trying to say it but then doesn't want to and like there's a whole thing and like she's like yeah dude I knew the whole time like you say it out loud under your breath and I can hear you when you say that but like 
I'm older than you and like, you know, we're friends. I don't, it's, it just wouldn't work right now. And like the way she lets him down is like just perfect. So, so perfect. It's not like, no, nah, you're a little kid. I can't. It's just like, Hey, you get it. You get why that wouldn't work. Right. And he's like, yeah, I guess I do. And it it's like very cool. Wendy's very cool. And there then was, they're there just, was... they're friends and they hang out. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. There, there was a moment where that whole Dipper, uh, Wendy relationship got like turned on its head was Dipper goes back in time, uh, because of reasons and encounters a baby yeah. Wendy who like whispers to her friend and her friend just blurts out and goes, she thinks you're cute. And Dipper's just like, Oh, Oh, I get it. Oh, that that's feels what that's bad. like. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, the, like the Dipper Wendy relationship is like par- pretty defining about who she is kind of for the first season. Like that's the lens we see her through. Um, yeah. In the second season though, once they get out of the bunker and everything's kind of fixed, like, Wendy turns into their older sister to the point where she goes on an adventure with Mabel that she absolutely does not believe is possible and really wants no part of. But she goes because it's Mabel and she just loves that kid and is going to yeah, protect right. her. Is that the, uh, that the unicorns unicorns? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when they like, God, when, such when, a good episode. Oh, I love that episode too. Just, just for like that, that last scene with the unicorns where Wendy is like, no, we're like we're like angry hormonal women. Let's go kill something. Like it's really good. <laughs> uh, okay, we're still kind of lightning rounding along here. Uh, Seuss. Seuss is the guy with the truck. He's another worker at the Mystery Shack, uh, and he ends up being hey. Dipper's best friend. Yeah. Uh, he. Yeah, I I I guess that's a good way to put it. Is that he is Dipper's best friend? He is his uh, his dinosaur bro. Yep. Um, his his pterodactyl bro. Pterodactyl uh, bro. Actually, no one was around then, so we don't know how they said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, he he's kind of dumb. Like he, I think he's around eighteen. I think he's supposed to be around eighteen. Um, he he absolutely like idolizes Stan, and he's a handyman at the the shack. And like, you get a lot of backstory on Seuss in uh, in some episodes in season two that are like very oh heart- god <laughs> they're like very very heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time uh and yeah. and he's he always believes them like from the jump and always will help he's always down to help like, yeah. in episode two he has a boat and he's like hey yeah let's go find that sea monster that lake monster like i got a boat let's go do it yeah and that's that's like that's uh Seuss's, like defining trait through the first part of the show, especially is that he is, he sees these two kids that look up to him and he thinks they're real cool. And they don't, they don't talk down to him like, like adults tend to do and everything. And so he just yeah. like, steps into this role of guardian. Yeah. Like he, he is like all about making sure the kids are okay. Like, cause he, he believes them and he's seen all the stuff that they have seen pretty much. So it's not like he's like, I'll go with you just in case he's like, that's probably gonna be dangerous. Let me help out. Like, let yeah, me protect you. I don't want you to get eaten by an actual pterodactyl. Yeah, let's <laughs> let me help you here. Yeah, he's oh, guys, Seuss is just the best. And when you learn about him, it's just kind of heartbreaking. And I think as a character, yep. he probably has he probably ends up I think the best out of everyone. Yeah, I would say yep. so. 
I, I would say where he ends up uh, when the show is over is like is a very touching like like he, he's got a lot of like real good especially after season one where he is like hey it's that dumb guy that that like protects us from monsters sometimes it helps us out um but then in season two it's like here is a story here are at least two stories about seuss there's like two different seuss episodes and it's like that's good thank you i needed yeah. those i needed to know what was up with seuss and they really are just good i'm again they're not a bad episode in the bunch and oh man Season two will just punch you right in the in the emotions every time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Grinda and Candy. Uh, those are Mabel's friends from uh, that she met in episode seven. Uh, Stan throws a party to get a bunch of money. Um, Basically, <laughs> because he's Stan. Uh, yeah, he throws a party with an exit fee. Um, there's an entrance fee and an exit fee. Uh, so if you want to get out, you have to spend fifteen dollars. <laughs> uh, but at one point, um, there is another character named Pacifica Northwest, who is like the 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 mean girl queen of the town. And uh, there's a party crown, and she's like, "I'll take that crown, thank you very much." And then makes fun of Candy and Grenda. And this is when Mabel steps up and is like, "I'm gonna also compete for the crown," and like, "You're going down." Uh, and and so nonchalantly too. Yeah, I love how she says, "You're going down." It's my favorite thing in the show. <laughs> it's maybe one of my top five favorite lines. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Kenny and Grenda are like her friends. And from like that point on, like they come over for sleepovers, they go on trips together. They go to concerts. Like they do stuff with her cause they are her friends. Now they have um, adventures with her. Like they get tossed right in the mix with everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, Grenda is, uh, is a, a taller, bigger, like buff girl, um, uh, whose voice is very deep because she's, you know, like in the throes of puberty. Um, and uh, Candy is this, uh, this little Asian girl who is, like, very smart and um, kind of weird in, in different ways. Like, the first time you meet her, she has, um, like, forks taped to her fingers uh, and so she can, like, get popcorn easier. So she can, like, stab popcorn and get five at once and, and like, they won't fall out of her hand or anything. Yeah, she's great. And, man, the two of them even get some really good character stuff as we go along, like... By the end, it's it's there's super touching moments with those two and with Mabel and surprisingly with Dipper sometimes. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Gideon and then we'll hit some townsfolk. Uh, Gideon is basically season one's big bad. Uh, big bad. He's, he's big bad. Bad. He's just a little <laughs> creeper. Uh, he's. he's Short, fat dude with whose hair is bigger very, than his body. Very tall hair. He yeah. is, he is like the the epitome of like the Southern Baptist charismatic preacher man from a like tent revi- revival. He has like literally a revival tent, yeah. but it's a psychic tent instead of a revival tent. And he's got some secrets, and there's secrets that we still aren't sure about. And when you think too much into it, and Gideon uh, becomes. Worse psychologically than the biggest bad, like the overall arcing villain of no, Gravity Falls. I don't think anyone's worse than that, dude. But Gideon comes around. Uh, he he comes and goes. He's more of like a Dennis the Menace type for a little while. But what's up with his mom? Oh, that that is explained in the episode um, Society of the Blind Eye. Yeah, it's and you bl- it's blink and you miss it, but it's in there. Yeah, um, it, it so... is, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking. It's the reason she's like that is real sad. 
Yeah, I and I don't think it's entirely Gideon's fault, but yeah, um, Gideon he he finds book two, uh, which has all like the worst. It's got like curses and and ways to summon up monsters and demons and like it's like the bad book. It's all the dangerous stuff. Uh, and there's also this amulet that can um, like has like psychic and telekinetic powers attached to it, and it does make you go evil, like the the amulet does, and it turns your hair white, um, which is why his hair is white. Uh, that that's not natural. That's in, in the journal. They tell you that, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, but he like, he's this like rival to Stan, um, in that, like he's the other huckster in town and Stan hates that. And he hates Stan. Like it is a mutual hatred. Yeah. Like oh, a yeah. lot of, a lot of the first season, if it's not just him being like a, like a Dennis the Menace type, like just kind of like a, a character who's like just kind of a pain. Um, it's him trying to steal the mystery shack from Stan just over and yeah. over again. And it's, yeah, it's a, honestly uh, he, a little exhausting by the end of the season. Uh, Gideon has uh, about zero respect for anyone. And one of his lines, uh, when his dad is just talking to him, Gideon looks at him and goes, I can buy and sell you old man. Old man. It's my favorite line of the whole show. <laughs> uh, and, Gideon's dad's response is, fair enough. Fair enough. His dad is super Florida. His dad is like wicked Florida. His, yeah. his dad is uh, a Florida used car salesman. Yeah, like yep. like like up and down. Literally a used car salesman, but like super duper Florida. And I love it. The the other kind of big thing about Gideon is, uh, besides his hatred for Stan, is his obsession with Mabel. His super duper creepy love for Mabel. Uh, yeah, Obsession. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at first it, he tries to paint it as love, but it is definitely more an obsession. Because uh, in his first episode, like, we first meet him, and he seems like this cute kid. And he's like, hey, Mabel, like, I like you. We should date. And she's like, no. But he's such, like, a celebrity in town that he can kind of, like, talk and badger her into, like, going on a date with him. And then, like, it just gets out of hand from there. And when she's, like, finally, like, no, like, he tries to kill Dipper in her. <laughs> so, yeah, it I escalates mean, a little so. bit. Well, he tries to kill Dipper because he thinks Dipper is standing in the way of them, but it's, that's not it. That's not, that's it, at not all. it. He's standing in the way of himself. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, nothing is helped by the fact, like, he doesn't really ever let go of the obsession for Mabel. He does, like, get over it towards the end of the series, but, like, the it's links, a long road. The links that he's willing to go to uh, eventually. Yeah. We don't know this, but eventually, like, kickstarts a major plot. Like, this dude is yeah. literally one of the things that brings about the main plot of the story. Oh yeah, absolutely. He like he he summons up like the 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 biggest bad. Yeah, the biggest bad. I, I was trying to say like the the bad plot, like the season. He basically causes the season two plot to come into existence. Yeah, not even on purpose. Like like he just. Like it, it's in his his attempt to get the shack, he just like makes this real bad thing happen. He starts punching above his weight class, and he does not know it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and you know, you know, it's one of those stories where you, you think he's going to get what he deserves, and then he you start thinking that maybe they're going to give him a redemption arc, and then because Gravity Falls is never that simple, uh, maybe not, and maybe he's just his own little dude having some weird adventures. Yep. Um, so let's close out this episode by kind of darting through some other interesting townspeople, starting with the Northwests, including well, the... Should, 
should we talk about the biggest bad, or should we leave him mm. to the people that, if they want to know, watch the show? I, I'm, yeah. I don't want to talk about the biggest bad. That's... Listen, go watch the show, and if you have questions, you can get at the three of us on Twitter, and we will yeah, yell come, at him. come back and talk to us on Twitter, and we will gladly tell you all about... Uh, well, we will gladly talk with you all, all about it. Uh, but, uh, maybe yeah, I think, next I think year, should... when I have a crunch time for some reason, uh, we can come back on and just yell about all the spoilery stuff. Who knows? We'll play it by ear. Um, so we're not going to talk about the biggest bad. Again, go watch the show and ask us questions as needed. Um, let's start talking about townsfolk by talking about the Northwests. Uh, specifically, the um, wonderfully Nathan Fillion-voiced Mr. Northwest and his wife and their daughter, who is a pretty cool character, actually. I love Pacifica. Um, I, I love her. I love not a her fan. arc. <laughs> I uh, I really love her Pacifica's arc in the show. Um, she's like like I said, the mean girl. She comes in and makes fun of Mabel for having an old, a fat old lady's name, and like tries to make Grenda and and Candy feel bad about themselves, like explicitly. Like that's like her goal. Yeah, they say like she makes us feel bad about ourselves. And you uh, learn she, you learn as you dig in that that's kind of because she's a possession to her parents. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's more or less a a chess piece than a person. Um, and like her dad, her not in the, not his first appearance, but every appearance after the first one, her dad is voiced by Nathan Fillion, which is amazing. Her mom is not voiced by Lisa Rinna, but should be. That's true. She should be. Um, but like you you learn that like she, like her parents think that like not rich people are beneath her, and that's how she was raised, and like she doesn't know what sharing is. Like there's like a in in season two like you find out like she doesn't know what sharing is she thinks sharing is a handout yeah and she's like I don't take handouts and and Mabel's like this is called sharing like have this taco like don't worry about it and she has trouble even saying the word it's great yeah tat tat yeah. taco <laughs> uh, when when they get around to like the big Northwest story in the second season um, Northwest haunting Northwest Mansion Mystery yes that's the one. Um, I can never get that name of that episode right, but it is... Um, the, the other name was Northwest Mansion Noir or Northwest Noir Mansion or something like that, and they changed it so many different times that, like, it could have any number of names. Yeah, it's it's a great episode, and the relationship that Dipper, like, yanks out of her across that one episode... Yeah. It shows you she's such a better person, and, like, you actually see a kid... It's so good. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, never yeah, been allowed to be a kid before. Yeah. And then, near the end of it, you kind of start getting a sense for, you know, once... Because this is past all the, the uh, Wendy stuff that gets resolved. Uh, you kind of start feeling like there's something between Dipper and Pacifica. Yeah. If uh, if the fandom doesn't always ship Dipper and Wendy, uh, they go right to Dipper and Pacifica. So... Yeah. I uh I mean in the book it's sort of in the journal it's sort of oh it's there hinted at it like it's I mean it's there it's literally written down but like scratched out that like maybe Dipper also has a thing for Pacifica who is yeah. at least his own age so <laughs> yeah I mean look it's it her presence gives me one of the best Dipper lines ever which is like no Pacifica is the worst and I'll say it to her face and the doorbell rings and it's Pacifica and he just opens it and goes. You are literally the worst and slams the door in her face. Yeah, it's you're the worst. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Scott, tell me about some of the townsfolk. Pick a townsfolk. Tell me about them. Townsfolk? Uh, Lazy Susan. Oh, gosh. 
Uh, Lazy Susan works at the diner, and she has probably the most aggravating voice to me. It's just oh my it god, it's so aggravating. Makes an but episode it's, hard to watch. It's done on purpose, but like it, it like. If you don't, if you don't like the joke, like it's bad. <laughs> it's yeah. really bad. Uh, she has one lazy eye, but it's just her eyelids always down. Uh, yeah. And Stan uh, gets a thing for her in the first season, and then quickly realizes that's a big mistake. Yeah, that's in the Dipper vs. Mainly in this episode. It's it like that. That arc is like much better than I think Dipper's like Dipper side. arc. They. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, again, I did watch it again, and it, it was a lot better this time than it was on my previous watches. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. Uh, and and again, she's one of the like. Listen, every townsperson that you see, especially if they get a name, is gonna be important. And she shows yeah. up a whole lot and kind of helps drive plots and things. It's real great. Yeah. Um, at one point, we do get to see how she got her lazy eye. Um, yeah. Which is real fun. Uh, real fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, can I can I pick a townsfolk? Yeah, can I pick your turn. Um, old man McGucket. We gotta talk Local about kook. old man McGucket. <laughs> old man McGucket. Um, oh. Local kook. Uh, are the wax figures real? And a follow up question: What will protect me from the Waxman uprising? <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. Is so good. I love There's McGucket so much. To McGucket, there is so he is an iceberg. What you see of of McGucket is is literally just like the tiniest tippy top of this huge iceberg um it's i love i love mcgucket so much he's so good uh in my one of my favorite mcgucket moments um in in the second episode he builds a uh a machine to destroy um disrupt things um uh, and this is not the first time apparently he's he's made a death pterodactyl and a giant doom bot um but and maybe the, my favorite moment of his is in episode 12 in the, the Summerween episode. They love Gravity Falls loves Halloween so much to celebrate it twice, once in the summer, once in October. Um, so in Summerween, uh, there's like a monster. It's like when the last jack-o'-melon goes out, that's a jack-o'-lantern, but a watermelon. When it goes out, that's when I'm going to come kill you. And so there's one left and old man McGucket has it. And they're like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. And he just goes, I'm old man McGucket. <laughs> and then goes to blow it out, but they like tackle him. Um, <laughs> It's so good. He's so crazy. That, that monster is probably the most horrifying thing Gravity Falls has. Um, mm, I'll say that anyway because I remember watching that episode and being legitimately frightened. It's scary. I don't know. I I it, I think the shapeshifter is scarier to me. It's a prime. It's a prime Halloween episode though. It's real. Yeah, good. it's a yeah. real good Halloween episode though. Yeah, for sure. McGucket gives a gives us one of our one of the best like interstitial jokes in my opinion is. At one point, he's talking about, like, how his son kind of shuns him. And out through a window, you see McGucket, like, with a baseball mitt and a ball and wanting to play catch with his son. And his son is just sitting in this room reading Stoic Monthly magazine and just, yeah. like, closes <laughs> the blinds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Derlin and Bubs. Blubs. Oh. Ah. Derlin and Blubs, the two cops. The only two cops in Gravity Falls. <laughs> And man, explains a lot. And man, are they both just hopeless and oddly competent? Yeah, uh, they're also. I don't know if it's. I think it's canonical, but like, they're dating. Yeah. Like I think. I think by the end, like, because all the whole time, the whole series, like, they are always like professing how much they love hanging out and spending time with each other. And like at the end, it's like all but said, like, 
I am in love with you, which is crazy yeah. it, that they, I love that they did that. Um, but they're super funny. Um, uh, one of my other favorite jokes is, uh, <laughs> Blubs is like, Oh, city boy is going to solve the case with his computer phone. And then Derlin <laughs> just goes city boy, city boy. Uh, I just love that. Uh, Scott, give us, give us another townsperson. Uh, how are we going to forget about Robbie? Ooh, that's a good one. Robbie is, uh, Wendy's boyfriend, uh, for the most part. And he's this wicked, he's super sullen, he's depressed all the time. He's like the stereotypical, like, high school emo kid with, he's got his own band and. Tight pants and a ratty hoodie and. Oh, God. He's so, he's so awful, but he's so good. Yeah, he he's a wicked jerk. I don't think I don't think for the most part from it's like from episode nine to eighteen, I think. Maybe seventeen, something like that. So it's not it's not super long. It feels like forever though, because like, obviously Dipper is in love with Wendy during that time, and so right. like him and Robbie butt heads a well, lot. And it's like, no, isn't it episode four, the convenience store? Because they're aren't Wendy and him together during that? Uh, no, they don't no, get together until uh, time travelers pick. Yeah, they're they're like hanging out. They're all like their friend group right. is all there. Yeah, right, right, right. And then it's just heavily implied. Mabel yeah. rearranges relationships in one episode. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. One of the best parts about Robbie is Robbie is like like they said stereotypical greasy haired emo boy. Um, his parents are the most cheerful, chippy, upbeat. Um, Morticians, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, morticians, yeah. They have a funeral home and they o- oversee a graveyard, like, <laughs> and routinely have to deal with zombies. Yeah, and they're just fine with it, and they're happy about it. <laughs> yeah, and somehow Robbie has resulted from this. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's like a there's a montage at one point of like, here's Robbie is happy, and there's Robbie a little older, he's happy, and there's Robbie a little older, he's happy, and there's Robbie when he's like 13, and then he's like grumpy from then on. <laughs> Yeah, he, he became a teenager and changed. Yeah. Got all that angst and grump. I Look, this show is nothing if not honest about the angst of teens. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, Jake, give us a character. Uh, I'm trying to think. I want to talk about Toby Determined, but, I mean, he just has a horrible face and they always make fun of him for that. That's just my I, face. Uh, oh, this is my mask. Oh, that's better, actually. <laughs> Uh, listen, um, Toby is a pretty cool cat. I mean, besides his really weird love for the news anchor lady, <laughs> Chandra Jimenez, um, <laughs> who is like a really good reporter, like as we see in the finale, like even even like terrible apocalyptic situations don't like stop her yeah. from delivering the news, which is great. Uh, but yeah, Toby Determined is like this like sad sack with a horrible face <laughs> that's like, I just want to be included. But you know what? His newspaper, uh, every time we see something from the newspaper, he has somehow managed to capture not only the truth, but like the most perilous image of the truth. Yeah, yeah. he's like he's like a really dedicated reporter, but we never see that. We only see him like interviewing Stan with a turkey baster or like kissing a cardboard cutout of Chandra Jimenez. Trying like, to take a picture like, with a cinder block. Yeah, like, it's nothing good. It's just, like, him being a dumb idiot. But then, like, the newspaper itself is, like, like a, like, Jimmy Olsen war reporter is the, is the, the guy. Yeah. He's pretty great. Um, my last pick, then, I think, is gonna have to 
be... Oh, man, we have covered a lot. Uh, we've covered most. Um, Let's talk about the Corduroys. Okay. Uh, there's mainly Dan and his three sons and Wendy. Um, and we never get the sons' names as far as I know. I think so. Um, but mainly Dan is this uh, very large lumberjack. Uh, he's like... He's got red hair, red beard. He's enormous. Um, he always is knocking stuff over, and he's very manly. Like, he's like... He's a man, and so he's always, like, punching stuff that he doesn't need to, or, or at one point he's, like, going somewhere, and he just has two kegs full of meat. Yeah. I think it's I think it's the karaoke party in the, in the second season, the first episode of the second season. He's like, these kegs are full of meat! And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get what's up. Except when he was a kid, apparently his name was, like, Boyish Danny? Yeah, his nickname was, I think, yeah, Boyish Danny, because uh, he was just like, and then I guess he grew up at some point and became Man the Dan. And apparently, like, their long-lost ancestor was a um, lumberjack that features in an episode prominently. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's some hints as, as to uh, some lineages in, in an episode that you don't really find out about. Like, you put it together in the book, and I guess you could have put it together watching the show, but I never really did. Um personally yeah it's there's he he also just has like an unabashed love for the boy band several times yes to the point that that mabel uses that as a way to escape from a situation yeah by insulting Um, them also um the character we talked about in the last episode the get him get him that's a tyler cute biker um and he is mainly dan's biggest fan in fact his original name was just mainly dan's biggest fan um, that's all we knew him as for a little while until we, he got the name Tyler Cute Biker. And you know what? That dude has a pretty great story, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, th- yeah like, this guy uh, who... he becomes the mayor. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's it, it, He goes a long way from the, literally his whole, the only lines he had during the first season are some variation on, get him, get him. And it's so good. Eventually he has, like, full, like, long drawn out dialogue and he, like, stands up to people and, Passes the never mind all that act and yes, uh, I guess also in the first season he does have the puma shirt, panther shirt, panther shirt, puma shirt, panther shirt, panther shirt, <laughs> and like even when he becomes mayor, his outfit goes from bike shorts and bike shirt to bike shorts, bike shirt, sash, and dress jacket. I think yeah, he has like a suit jacket on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, dang the listen. Everyone in this town is important. Most of them, if they say anything and have a name, are going to do something with the plot. Yep. Even even some that have, like, minor lines will come back. Like, uh, like there's a guy named Pizza Guy um, who does not deliver pizzas. He just is really hyped about free pizza in one episode, and they always call him Pizza Guy from then on. Yeah, there's, um, like, Wendy and Robbie are part of a whole group of friends who have, like, dynamics that affect plots. Yeah, there's, uh, there's Nate and... Thompson and Tambry and the other ones. Nate. There's Nate and some other dude are like, uh, uh, like probably a couple of in a few years, probably. Uh, they're, they're very funny. And they like in the episode, they're teens, you know, well, they, I think one of them's got tattoos. So he's like 18. Um, but he, like, I forget what the other one's name is Mitch. I don't think that sounds right. I don't remember. It might be, it might be, I don't know. Anyway, but like, they, you know, there's like this whole group of like teens that, that Wendy hangs out with and they're like, prominently featured you know throughout the show in a lot of places yeah they kind of like they kind of adopt dipper and mabel well more dipper because mabel has her people but yeah 
they become like the crew that they hang out with. It's pretty great. Yeah. And like nobody is like even even people who are only given like one line and that's it. Or like they're in one episode a couple times. Like you still get a feel for their entire character. Like nobody nobody is half assed. Everyone is full assed uh, <laughs> in this show. I mean, there's even a character in the Summer Wind episode who is literally just a small child named Gordy. The only thing we know about Gordy is that now he has been traumatized. I'm traumatized. He, <laughs> he has been eaten by the Summerween monster, and then that's just how he is for the rest Gordy. of the series. Oh, even even the shopkeeper lady in that in that episode has just such a great little arc. Yeah, where she hates the Pines family. <laughs> she calls the police on the Pines family by name. It's great. Yeah, it's oh, guys, go watch the show. Um, I think we've said that twelve hundred times in this one episode. <laughs> uh, brace yourself we're probably going to say it that many times in every single one of these probably um, yeah so let's uh, let's tell the good people where they can find us Scott where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on twitter at scottymace1 uh, that's basically all that I am I said it uh, last episode I am hopefully going to be putting out uh, hashtag secret project within the next couple months so look forward to that Jake, where can people find you on the internet? At JJ underscore Mason on Twitter. More from Grid. Pokemon World Tour. Pokemon World Tour United. Uh, Hard Reboot. Uh, Stable. Kingdom Smarts. In My House is where you can also find me. Um, that's it. That's all the places I got. That's all I got so far. And again, you're going to hear more about where you can find me here in a minute. But uh, once again, at the end of this Supersode there's going to be a big announcement about a new podcast that I am releasing. And to add to the mystery, I'm releasing that with Alan Sells. Look forward to that at the end of this series. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about the mysteries and monsters that surround Gravity Falls. This is going to be a big one. Um, I'm very excited. So tune in next week. I hope you're enjoying this trip to the falls. You can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com. Follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review, or maybe tell a friend? Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Roosevelt and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. (laughs) 